Welcome to the Homeschool Journal, a show that unpacks the joys and journeys of the classical homeschool family. Here's your host, Carrie McGraw. And so let's turn to, to Catherine. And Catherine, let's hear a little bit more about your story, how the whys of homeschooling have played out through the years in your family. Sure. Um, well, I loved what Sarah said about we love the people that our children are becoming. And that's really the benefit of having been at this for a while now is now it's a lot easier to keep going because we see the fruit of all this work. But at the beginning, when we, you know, first took our son out of school, we were pretty much just going on blind trust. And a couple of books I had read that said it was possible to homeschool a child with autism. Um, you know, I didn't know anyone else who had a child with difficulties. I knew a lot of homeschoolers, but everyone seemed, um, everyone that I knew seemed to have children who just knew what to do, um, who were fairly easy to teach, at least from my perspective. I'm sure they weren't. <laughs> um, but it, we had so many people telling us this won't work. And not only that, but this is going to be harmful to your son. So we were told, as I think a lot of parents of children with autism are, that our son, above all other children, needed to go to school because he needed to learn social skills. Um, but what we had seen at the school was that it didn't play out that way. And really, that's, I mean, children with autism don't learn social skills by just being around other children. They have to be carefully taught them. Um, you know, they miss all those subtle cues that other kids learn when they're in the classroom or, you know, on the playground about how to behave. Um, but our son could tell what behaviors got a rise out of everyone. So it, it really felt like more that the classroom was maybe the ideal environment to turn into a behavior problem rather than to learn how to interact with others. But again, we just were kind of going on, on trust at that point because we hadn't seen it. Um, we just hadn't seen it work in any other families. All the families we knew with special needs kids were utilizing the public school system. But as it turned out, homeschooling did, did work really well. Um, for teaching not just academics, but also all the skills of ordinary life that have to be taught to a child with a developmental disorder. So homeschooling, if we just kind of go by a simple definition, is where you as the parent, or I, yes, we both did this, take direct responsibility for the education of our children. The, the home becomes the center of our children's education. But a homeschool can come in all different packages, so to speak, from completely parent-directed, which both you and I have that experience, uh, to completely delegated and, and somewhere in between. And I think that you can really speak very well to this, Jessica, because I know you've done it all. I've done, you know, quite a bit of it as far as this, this sliding scale, I think that you can talk to of, um, of directed education. But 
you also come from this perspective as a cottage school co-director. So Jessica, I'm going to turn it over to you to expand on this what is homeschooling. Great. Well, I think most fundamentally, homeschooling can be defined as parent-directed education. So of course, within this, there is a huge sighting scale of delegation that can be available. So um, if you will visualize a continuum and over on one end, the parent retains complete authority. This would be a solo homeschool parent piecing together all their materials, making all their own plans. While on the other end of the continuum, the authority is completely delegated out by the parent to a partner. For example, this would be like a homeschool student that takes all their classes outside the home. So a lot of high schoolers end up there. Most homeschool families partner with something or someone, be that a curriculum or curricula or outside support, maybe a co-op, a tutorial, online classes, or some interesting combination. So along that continuum, from one end being complete authority, and then the other end being completely delegated authority, with each step along the way comes a loss of being the sole director of the homeschool. But then in return comes help, accountability, extra sets of eyes on your child as a student, each of which can be a tremendous blessing. So a really great analogy that I love is that homeschooling, in a homeschool, the parent is driving the school bus. So the parent takes the wheel of responsibility and direction. Right. So, so here we go. Are we? Are we? Are I'm we, ready. Are we ready? Okay. I'm ready. Now we'll have to. Disclaimer. I have looked at these, so they're not like. Well, we have looked at these. Right. Yes, but we haven't. Scripted. I don't have anything scripted. No. Right. No. Right. So, so I'm you, probably gonna laugh. So at you some go of ahead these. and pull the first card. Okay. And read, uh, read it out loud. Here we go. <laughs> oh, see, why do I get this one? <laughs> <laughs> All homeschool parents are the picture of perfect patience, benevolence, and true godly wisdom. <laughs> Mary Poppins, right? Um, yeah, this is funny because my kids will tell you. Okay, that's one of the probably the first thing that people ever say to me is, "I could never homeschool. I am not patient enough." And then I laugh hysterically and go, <laughs> "Obviously, you have not talked to me very long or my children, right?" Because uh, this is not me. <clears throat> yeah, I can tell you that if there's one thing I have never been accused of by my children <laughs> is wisdom. Okay. I'll bet you being patient. No, no. Well, okay, wait. Well, maybe I can get to that one. But I have never been accused of being wise. That's for sure. Like, I know that I did have a phone call from my then 18-year-old when she went off to college. And it was, Mom, you were right. And it was all about the classical education that we right. had chosen for her and the, the the tough years of classical education. And so I'm going to tell you that one is hidden in my heart, probably marked on my calendar, but wisdom is not what I have ever been accused of. So yeah. finally, Amy, I want our listeners to place um, in their hearts today the knowledge that, and this is how you put it this summer, um, that this will grow you. I think you use those exact words. And from my own yeah. homeschooling pe- experience, I often tell people um, I was not naturally designed to be a homeschooler. I just, I just wasn't. Um, truly, I'm sure that there are many others have done, you know, such a better job academically. I'm going to say that. Um, but I knew that if I accomplished one singular goal of developing a strong family connection of my children being raised 
and rooted in the values, the virtues, and the principles of our family and our faith, then I had already succeeded. And so, you know, this is where I would love our homeschoolers to take to heart that this is a growth opportunity for them Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, that is so good. Um, Do do what is needed, you know? Um, This earth meets heaven. If you need help, seek it. Be real about your limits and pray into sourcing, letting go of unattainable or unnecessary goals, being ready to physically work and sacrifice is one that took me a while to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, The combination, I'm good with the heavenly lofty, but the earthly, I've been slower. Um, And then do it by faith. I, I, Psalm 85, 10 through 12, steadfast love and faithfulness mean. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. How do you switch gears from homeschooling to the holidays when with all these things that, that run into any homeschooler schedule, particularly yours, how do you switch those gears? I'm hoping that you allow yourself a break. Um, absolutely, we do. Um, and this has certainly changed with the ages and stages of our children. When they were younger with newborns and toddlers, our schedule pretty much just stayed the same, um, revolved around their routines, and we just incorporated holiday activities into their schedule. But now that we have two school-age children, we definitely do take a pause from our school schedule and shift gears entirely so that we can fully enjoy the holiday season. That's good to hear because I think we all deserve it, right? Absolutely. Yes. And so um, tell me about that shifting, that that whole process of shifting gears and, um, you know, what you allow yourself to do. And um, maybe you've got some survival tactics you can share Mm, with us, please. Sure. Uh, Well, the longer we have homeschooled, which, as you mentioned, was five years now with Memorial Press, the more I have realized our need for margin in our family schedule, and not just during the Christmas season, but but really all year long. Um, Our home is much more peaceful, and Christmas is so much more enjoyable when we do take a break and um, just focus on holiday activities instead of adding them on top of a school schedule. We want to be able to communicate. Our kids get to college and have to communicate on paper. That's right. And if we don't know the usage of our own language, where does that go? That's exactly. Well, it it turned. We're not good writers. No, right. And you know, when I get, I can. But of course, my standards are very high. I do work in a publishing company. No, but really? if I get a resume or a cover letter from somebody wanting a job and it has a typo or a grammatical mistake, I don't, I mean, I'm just done. I don't, 
No second chances. Okay, so that means I need to reread all my emails that I send you. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I really just, I just think, you know, you've got to, to work for a publishing company, you've got to at least be able to put a sentence together. But that has to be anywhere that's so, well, it should you know, be. it should be, it should be. Unfortunately, you know, how many times have I picked up, uh-huh, a newspaper, a yes, newspaper, a newspaper, right. and it's a mess. It is. And, it, and, it, and it's, Those people have obviously not had Latin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> My kids are frustrated with me because I will pick anything up and find the flaw and find the spelling error and find the missing comma or it should right. have been a semicolon. Yeah, they kill me or I kill them. Okay, um, let's talk about how Latin makes learning other languages easier. Some companies would tell you, some curriculum companies would tell you that you should do Latin, but it is not essential for a classical education. We do not fall yeah, can I on that side on that at one? all. I, that um, hurt. That I know, hurt. I know. But we we totally say 100% you are not classically educated if you do not have Latin. And hopefully Greek. Hopefully you can get to Greek. Mm-hmm. I pulled because I'd like, I want to get this right. Cheryl Lowe's, um, I found some things that she had written right before she died. And mm. one of them was... What is classical education? Now, we say all the time, it's the true, the good, the beautiful. We've got, any, even on our website, we've got this giant definition of it. But what it really came down to her was the essential core of classical Christian education is the study of Latin and the classical civilizations of Greece and Rome. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. And then she says, I don't think we are at liberty to redefine it. <laughs> like this is what it's always been and it needs to continue That's to right. be. Folks, and so we would say you have to have Latin in your curriculum. I love that. And I are... hope that we have made it doable for everybody that our Latin products, she worked really hard to make sure anybody could teach it. That meant so much to her that you as a parent could succeed as a Latin teacher with no Latin background or knowledge. Well, I think we continue to work that way. I get to watch everybody and, and the, the heart that they put into making sure that this is successful for our homeschoolers. That's right. What about you, Will? What do you want your children to learn from dad? Uh, well, the short answer is everything. Right? So there's everything that when I left home and began college and young adulthood that I didn't know that in retrospect would have made life easier. So uh, there's there's simple things, uh, how to study, right? I didn't know how to study when I got to college and my grades initially reflected that because in high school, I was able to skate by just fine and, and I made the honor roll so no one bothered correcting me. But you know, how to study is something that I work on with the kids, even though I'm learning it uh, now also, right? So we know, we need to know how to study, we need to know how to manage money, how to treat people, and that's just the the easy stuff that makes life easy. But the harder things, uh, they I want them to know how to work hard and how to strive for something that's difficult. And and that's a really hard thing to teach. So that's where something like Horatius comes in and Latin comes in. And uh, my sixth grader, he he's trying to memorize Horatius because I told him I want him to film it for that Winston Churchill. Not because I care that he gets the Winston Churchill, but I want him to do something that takes a long time and it's difficult. And if he can learn to do that now, then that will help him when life throws him more difficult challenges. If he can 
if I can teach him how to to run after virtue uh, and to chase holiness in terms of his his friends and his uh, the people he chooses to be around, if he picks the good influences, then that helps. I say him, all of them, right? It helps all of them later on, because uh, the ultimate goal here is to give them what they need to know to to get to heaven, right? Absolutely. And I think the point about your daughter reading books over and over again, um, you know, again, Lewis says a, a book that's not worthy of an adult is not worthy of a child because, um, you know, a, a good book is a book you can return to again and again and again and get, and get something new, get a new nugget of wisdom um, with each reading. In fact, this morning I was looking over some notes um, about Charlotte's Web and I've read Charlotte's Web many, many times. I've taught Charlotte's Web. I've helped with the study guides for Charlotte's Web. And, um, and this morning, I was looking over Charlotte's Web's web notes, and I just paused for a minute, and I just thought, you know, Charlotte's Web is one of those great books that shows sacrificial love. And the the first time we read Charlotte's Web, we think this is an entertaining story about you know a spider who spells and a pig on a farm and the animals who talk. Um, but when you really think about it, you think this is a book about Fern loving Wilbur enough to save him and Charlotte loving Wilbur enough to save him and Wilbur loving Charlotte's egg sack enough to save her babies. And so, you know, the more we read it, the more we can glean from it. And a good book has that to offer. I think that's one of the characteristics of a good book is it it has room to, it it gives us room to grow. Um, We can think about a book over and over again because it has a lot of wisdom within its pages. Right. And, and, and then, but I love the fact that you bro- drew out Charlotte's Web. That <laughs> book makes me cry. <laughs> it still makes me cry. But it's also important. It's re- it's reminiscent of or or demonstrates for me that how important it is in that what we read in the early years has great impact in what we read in the later years in what it is that we um, want to identify with and what we want to pick up. So when we're talking to homeschool parents, right. what we introduce to our children as kindergartners, first graders, second graders, we are building absolutely, you know, great things for them in when we choose that classically good literature. Well, I came to it gradually, as I'd said. It was over time researching. I, I, I researched not only in the states; I researched internationally, and that's why I found my Latin and Greek tutors in, in England. England. <laughs> yes, you are braver than I. And, <laughs> Texas would be about but, as far as I could go. <laughs> well, that's where I'm from. That'd be a good place too. But. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> but, but I. I uh, we are we are entirely devoted to our children's growth and education, and so there's no length I wouldn't go to to find what I hope and believe is the best. And so I, I did spend that time researching, and I do still use other publishers' materials, but I can't speak for them as I would of MPOA. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons we've talked about, and, and absolutely, while we're on that, the teachers, I have been so delighted. They are wonderful. And um, I, I have <laughs> I have neighbors and friends who will say, oh, now we're homeschooling too, because their children are in front of Zoom all day. No, it's not the same. Mm. Not even close. No, right. And, and, and 
also, I have friends. Now, this is Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, and I think we're all well-meaning and doing our best for our children. And there are people here who pay $50,000 a year for kindergarten. That is 100000 gross annual income. Oh, my goodness. For kindergarten. Oh, my goodness. And my friend who I'm speaking of, <laughs> her child can't read. He doesn't know his ABCs. Oh. So, so uh, that, that's maybe the macro picture of education and its range at large. But when I put together everything I'd seen and everything I'd studied, Memorial Press just pulled the whole story together best for us. It was you know, mm. superior materials, uh, great teachers, and a program that allowed me to remain her primary teacher. How, how do you handle the mix of the secular and the faith-filled uh, portions of Easter? Oh, that's a great question. We have a lot more trouble with that at Christmas time, finding the balance <laughs> yeah. <laughs> than we do at Easter. And I think it is because of our observation of Lent. So we, you know, with the long observation of Lent, then when we get to, e to Easter, the celebration of Easter is so focused on Jesus because we've just been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus for weeks. So the Easter bunny does come here, but it's not, they, they don't seem all that worked up or excited about that part of it. The basket mm -hmm. has religious items in it. Um, I mean, you can oh, find too. bookmarks, pencils, stickers, um, little books about religious things. Yeah, we even do chocolate in the shape of I a do, cross. I do that, I mean, too. Like, I know. do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Uh, they do get an Easter basket, and the little ones do, you know, have some Easter bunny fun. But that's just like a brief blip on the radar because, you know, after that's said and done, then it's time to get all gussied up for church. And then we come home, and um, we have the feast, you know, after the fast, then we have the feast. And we do. We just feast all day long. And it's usually with grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles, and I don't particularly have my own menu that I do because I, I just show up and might bring something. <laughs> no, I agree. Like ours is the same thing. And, and that's what the day turns into is something all about family, family. for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and celebrating that together. And, and the first thing we do is um, we will stand in a large circle, everyone together. And I credit my mother-in-law for always doing this and starting this, um, you know, and we pray. Mm -hmm. And we pray together and we each go around and we talk about um, within prayer, God's blessings and the things that mm -hmm. we want to praise him for. With homeschooling, we have, we have really, for my son, who I think particularly needs it, he loves it. He loves, he loves, we, had, we bought him a t-shirt for Christmas and it says, I'm too school. I'm too cool for school. And I actually <laughs> said home, homeschoolers. And he loves talking about it. He, anybody who asks him. And it's so funny because, but my husband jokes that we've become total bores because like all I talk about is Memorial Press and all my son talks about is homeschooling. Like <laughs> I, I, I I'm okay I'm with hopeful. that one, Julie. I'm okay with I, that. <laughs> I, I'm, always, I'm always like, oh, please ask me, please ask me, please ask me a question. Because then like I get, I get my motor goes and then I can't stop talking about how excited <laughs> I am. We have been, become a happier family. We've become a more connected family. Oh. I'm telling you right now, I love <laughs> the famous men of the middle ages and we're doing famous men of Greece. I enjoy it. I literally, yes. I'm like, come on, Jack, let's do it. Let's do one more chapter. Um, it is 
it is just, we have grown as a family. We talk about these subjects at dinner much more. I feel like we're a much more interesting family in the things that we're talking about. So um, I've learned just a lot about, uh, about the role of, I, I would say a deeper role of what um, parents should have in, in their children's lives. The second piece for me then, of course, goes back to, well, what is it that you're focused on? And are we both focused on the same thing? And I mean, that for me is the cornerstone. I mean, ultimately, none of this would work if we didn't have a singular focus to the most important thing, which is our faith in Jesus Christ and our faith in his gospel. And, you know, that the day for us starts there, 100 percent, you know, um, you know, and you know, I talked about, is it ever perfect? Is the process ever done? No, it's not. We're always trying to improve how we uh, uh progress the culture in our own home. And for us, you know, how do we make it work? How do we keep it all together right now? That looks like, you know, working from home has given me the, the flexibility to have more focused family time with the family. And, you know, part of our uh, important routine, and this has gone between, uh, you know, whether it's in the morning first thing or kind of the last thing touch point of the day, um, making sure we have that, that devotional daily you know, as a family praying together and reading from the scriptures together. Wonderful. And um, in addition to that, where, where, you know, Memoria Press has enriched us is that we also make part of that devotional reading from a good book together or, you know, discussing, you know, some of the principles and ideas that the kids have studied that day, whether in school or at home as part of their homeschooling uh, uh, process. So those three things are really key for us um, in sort of making things work, I guess, if you can say we're, we're making it work, <laughs> what would you say, dear? <laughs> I think we are. And I, I've noticed an increase in peace in the home. So, you know, some of the things when I talk to, I've talked to more prospective homeschoolers in the last year since uh, the lockdown than I ha ever have before. People that are, are, you know, are just beginning to open to the possibility and they all have the same concerns. It's like, how will I make sure they're getting enough socialization? How will I make sure they're not on screen too much? How will I make sure they actually learn and listen to me, you know, when I'm the primary teacher? And I, I have a firm testimony that as we um, teach by precept and example, that we put God and his kingdom first, that brings, that increases the spirit of peace and love in our home, you know, obviously Amen. through the Holy Spirit. We, and, and we, and we see that every day. So we have conflict like every family. And we have, you know, faults like every family, but I truly see that moment of the softening of the heart. You know, of course, we, as parents, we know our kids need to see us humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness from one another. And from them at times, they need to see us, you know, on our knees praying. But I do find that family devotional really has, I, I've always prioritized that as the start of the day, because I truly thought we needed the Lord's help to get through our day. There is not one study that has been done on saying that cursive writing is not good and it doesn't <laughs> develop the brain. And it's You're so right. There, there is, is not, not a single study that can produce anything against it. No. Right. No, they, they didn't decide, oh, this is not good, and so we'll take it out of schools. No. Or we'll quit teaching. 
And so there are, it's so exciting now because more of these brain imaging studies Mm -hmm. are coming out all of the time and how much more it stimulates and activates the brain. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you're bringing this out because I wouldn't do all of this and go to all this trouble if it were just for beautiful handwriting. That's right. There's a deeper science behind this. Exactly. That little boy in the fourth grade, first, uh, fourth grade, said, "Oh, this is fun. <laughs> this flows. I like this writing <laughs> apple. Writing yes, apple. Yes. Okay. But um, you just have to keep after them. Okay. So patience, 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 time, and reminding, okay. reminding. And when we sit down, we take it serious, and we sit down at the table, and we have to have the correct pencil grip, and we pick it up correctly, and we let it flow. It's a purposeful activity. Boy, we've had a lot of peas going on here. Yes. <laughs> but it's a purposeful activity. So yes. Try to really know yourself and your family dynamics. I think so often, especially with uh, people that haven't been homeschooling as long, you see all the blogs, you see all your friends talking, you you talk to people like Carrie who are like, yeah, I have a binder with all the stuff we're going to do each week, right? <laughs> and you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to do all this? Some people really need structure, right? Some people yeah. school year round because their family works better when the kids are on a routine every day. And if you break that routine for the summer, it really messes them up. If that's the way your family is, then keep following your routine, right? Like, that's okay. But if if it's not, if you're like me, and you're like, I just need to be done, then, yeah. then be done and enjoy your summer. And don't feel guilty if you're not doing everything that you feel like is summer enrichment you have to do. Because I'll tell you, out of my seven kids who the youngest one is still not quite reading, but out of all of them, four of them learned to read over the summer between kindergarten and first grade when we weren't doing any curriculum. Like we ended kindergarten and me going, I don't know how we're going to start first grade because you're just not quite reading yet. And then, you know, we put the, we just stopped doing anything. And then they're like, but mom, what about this book? Will you read it to me? And I'm like, I can't read it to you. I'm too busy doing this other thing. And they pick it up and they start reading. <laughs> and you know, if I'd have continued that curriculum with them over the summer, I think they still wouldn't have been reading by first grade, you oh. know, because they were fighting it. Oh. So they just needed that relaxing and to choose to do it themselves. So learning does happen over the summer. The kids will be very enriched anyway and so do figure out you in your family dynamics and and go from there and just make what works best for your family happen and don't feel guilty if you're not doing what everyone else is doing hello melanie to us. It's Diana and Carrie. How are you? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we are calling you about our Sodalitas. We're going to have you share some stories. Yes. So going to Sodalitas as an introvert is my story. 
That's exactly. Wait, you know that's what? That's what exactly we, what we were talking about when we right. called you. <laughs> we were. We just. We just talked to Jessica, and um, you know, Jessica, Diane, and I are those loud personalities. Um, and we said, let's call this soft, sweet, wonderful Melanie, um, because we know that your perspective is so important um, about you know venturing into a place you had not gone before that might not have been a natural, you know, visit for you. So, so what do you want to share with our listeners today on um, our podcast about Sedalitas? Well, my first Sedalitas was in 2016 and I was coming from Florida. So it was a pretty long drive. That is long. I didn't know. Wow. (laughs) Did not know that. Yeah. And I did not know anybody. Um, I mean, I had been on the forum a little bit or the Facebook group, but I didn't know anyone. And so I went to all the sessions, but I really didn't talk to a lot of people. Um, I remember Diana talked to me. A couple of people talked to me, but and that was good. That was very yeah, helpful that would to be have. Diana. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to, <laughs> to have an extrovert come talk to me. But I got really nervous about going to any of the optional dinners or social events, and I just skipped all of those. So I went to the sessions talk to a few people, but then I just would go back to my room, get some dinner in my room. I read a whole book that those few days wow. in the oh, evenings wow. <laughs> because that's, that was my comfort level. And right. you know what? I had a great time. It was still completely beneficial. You know, I wasn't sorry I went or anything. It was just, that was the way that I could do it at that point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so the next year, uh, 2017, I went back and I was um, on a little bit of a budget control at that point. And I asked on either the forum or Facebook if anybody could share a room. And these two ladies very sweetly, uh, generously offered to share their Airbnb with me. And so that was helpful to me because then I was staying with those ladies and obviously talking to them. We rode back and forth to the school. That was helpful. And that really helped kind of pull me in a little bit more. Uh, I went to the Sunday night dinner I don't remember what else I did, but I went to a few extra things. I talked to a few more people that I remembered seeing the year before. And the amazing thing about learning, beautiful learning, when you focus on these critical skills, is that they are ready to soak it all in. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to spit it right back out Mm -hmm. so that you can see and they can see these wonderful accomplishments in speed drills, in reading, in tackling a new book, in going to chapter books. You know, that is the joy of learning that I think happens. So so don't equate joy of learning with fun. It's, they're, they're not the same they're thing. They're different things, but you can make the day more enjoyable by how you present the material Amen. too. If you are, if you hate math and you, it is <laughs> they're going to know it. <laughs> it is a drudgery for you. They're going to read you pretty yes. well, and they're going to know, uh, and they're not going to like it either because, that's right. because that's the message you're sending out when you so we set aren't the tone. smiling. So, so you know, look what we get to do today. We get yes. to do these speed drills today, and mm-hmm. your smile and your enthusiasm. And your joy, Mm -hmm. I think, is what's important. It absolutely is, whether it is sweeping the floor, doing Mm -hmm. the laundry, doing math facts, Mm -hmm. approaching school, starting the day, you know, or starting back up after a break. Mm -hmm. That's just as as important. And they will read everything, you know, on uh, teacher mom's face, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So They will. And we'll, you know, you'll have your days, Mm -hmm. but... You know, for the most part, you know, if you can put on that smile and uh, 
really connect with your student with, you know, just the joy somewhere, find that joy somewhere mm-hmm. to present the materials you're going to have, a, you're going to have a very successful. And celebrate, celebrate accomplishments. Accomplishments yes. can be, you know, a beautifully done speed drill or a, a set of flashcards um, that, you know, we got all the answers right. I mean, just celebrate all day long because these are all, every day is full of accomplishment. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Homeschool Journal. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like our episodes, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. Help us to find more friends to join our homeschool family. I want to give a huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show and ask that you check out all of our great podcasts there. As always, I'm Carrie McGraw. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.